Okay, we're, uh, we're in the home stretch. Is everybody mostly awake? Everybody got coffee though, right? Oh man, I got my work cut out for me. I'm, I'm looking at a, a called out assembly of zombies. <laughs> Crazy week. You know, man, so many people have worked so hard to pull off you know, this conference, uh, you know, everybody from, I mean, um, the, the, the staff here, but also the volunteers uh, throughout, it, it's, it's just incredible. If we went through and listed everybody by name and said what they did to help support the conference, we'd have to take the entire session for that. Um, but just, you know, uh, a few names and categories, and just thanks to you. You know, Deb coordinates so much. Um, thank, thank God for Deb Mulder and uh, the work that her and the team does. You know, it's, it's every year I just do less and less, and, and um, you know, I, I can't keep up with everything that's going on, but you know, there's, there's roughly 30 people that meet, that represents, you know, 30 areas of support, and, and, they, and, and they just take care of everything. Uh, so, so logistics, uh, Chris Miller and the teams that work with him, uh, and then of course food, uh, Christine Best and the teams that work with her, uh, it's just, it, it's outstanding, and so I'm grateful. And so uh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to lead us in prayer, and then we're going to get into the book, Joshua chapter 7. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll trust the Lord for some insight into taking kingdom territory, taking what, it, what it's going to take to take souls, to take kingdom uh, territory for the kingdom of God. Father, I want to I pray that, Lord, you would take the weakness of my flesh and my stumbling mouth and that, Lord, you'd set that aside and, and that, God, you'd take this time, that you'd take your word, uh, Lord, that you'd take our hearts, uh, you'd take our, our minds, our will, our emotions. Uh, Lord, open our understanding, capture us for your glory. You are God, we are your people. You must have your way. Lord, we're so good at coming up with little reasons and excuses. Just like what we heard last night. Uh, we, can, we can hang on to these little caveats and exceptions and reasons for why we're justified rolling the way that we roll. And Lord, I just ask that today we would recognize our need to be completely surrendered. Jesus Christ is Lord. You are our Father. You're the living God. There's no one like you. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, we want to come this morning to you and worship you in spirit and in truth. And so, God, in everything that we do, we ask that you'd help us to lift up and magnify the name of Jesus. He must increase. And then, God, through that, you must be glorified. God, you deserve all the glory. So, God, take all our heart and have your way with us. And what we purpose today, God, help us to, to tomorrow to take inventory and clean house and rededicate our lives. Help us to recognize you're worthy. You're worth being right with. You're worth 
I was climbing on the altar of sacrifice every day. We want to we want to perform the reasonable service, and so we just ask that today would be just another another thing that you use to to keep conforming us to the image of Christ, and to keep moving us forward as a fellowship. We pray in Christ's name, Amen. Okay, so look at look at Joshua chapter seven, and uh, I I actually introduced this concept here at MBT on Sunday. You know, we're called to a spiritual battle. We're called to, I really, we're, we're, we're like a, a, hopefully we're becoming a trained group of raiding parties where we're making raids on the kingdom of darkness, on the children of the, the God of this world. And we're translating the lost souls out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of God. We want them to see the light of the gospel and we want them to be able to enter into to fellowship with our Father and then into the fellowship with us uh, to begin to serve with us, uh, serving our Father, to serve with us in ministry. And so, so in the book of Joshua, what we're gonna do just from time to time here at MBT, we're just gonna be looking at, at um, battle principles. You know, principle, we're gonna get trust God for insight into principles of spiritual warfare as we engage to take territory, kingdom territory, for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe with all my heart that, that uh, you know, we have a lot of opportunity to do that. I don't know about everybody, but I know for us uh, here in Kansas City, uh, 2020 has been a fruitful year. It's been rough on so many fronts, but with that disruption comes so many, op- there's just so many open doors and uh, I think it's, it's about as exciting a time for the church as there's ever been. And there's a lot we don't like. There's a lot happening in the world that's, that's inconvenient and uncomfortable, but, but with that, the average individual is just trying to figure out what in the world is going on, and so doors are opening left and right, and, and so I don't know about you, but I'm glad I'm alive right here, right now, in this time. I'm, I'm glad to be able to serve the Lord in a time like this. I'm rejoicing in what God is doing through our fellowship. So if I could pick any time, any place in history, it would be right here, right now, doing what we're doing. You know, we've all thought about what it'd be like to live in another part of time, another part of history. I don't know, you know, I've spent a lot of time thinking about what it'd be like to minister alongside Jesus in his first coming. Well, I mean, how many have ever had daydreams like that? What would it be like to to have been alive 2,000 years ago ministering? Not a lot of imagination in the room. That's what, no, honestly, if you've ever done that, like legit, you've like, what would it have been like to, how cool would that have, how cool would that have been to have walked and ministered and served alongside the Lord Jesus Christ in his first coming? I've thought about it. You know, how wonderful, how exciting that would have been, but the more I think about it, the more I doubt it. No flushing toilets, no hot, sh- not one hot shower, no deodorant, no Crest tartar control toothpaste, no mouthwash, brothers, no mouthwash. Just imagine, no Lysol disinfectant, no room deodorant, I mean, no perfume, no cologne. I think it was a very stinky time, that's what I think. And maybe you would enjoy that, maybe you like blue cheese and stinky feet, you know, I don't know, but I think it'd be a really stinky time. I'm glad I'm right here right now, 
We've seen how God's already used our fellowship in the gospel to impact this planet over the last several years. And if the Lord tarries this coming, then guys, everything that we've seen so far, it is just the tippy tip of the proverbial iceberg. Hello, somebody. Brothers and sisters, we're just getting started. So help us God by his grace. We are gonna rock the nations for his glory. So I wanna remind you that God's doing a work in us and through us that he intends to use to greatly impact this planet for his glory. But here's a common sense concept and um, hand to God. Brian and I did not coordinate our messages, but uh, this is kind of, this will follow up on what Brian shared with us last night. Um, You know, if we're gonna, if God's gonna get everything that he wants out of us, then it's gonna take all of us. Does that make sense? To do everything that God desires is gonna take all of us being engaged, obedient, and consecrated to his will. If we're gonna, now, you know, if, if, if we're limited, let's say, Excusing sin takes some people out and, and that, that removes effectiveness. It's gonna remove some opportunity and we won't see everything that God intended. Uh, one, the way the body of Christ is wired, you know, one person going AWOL doesn't shut us down, but there is a spiritual principle that I want us to see this morning. You know, all it takes is for just one of us who favors self over the commandments of God to turn God's hand from one of blessing to one of chastisement. And I don't know about you, but I don't like, getting, I don't like having my butt beat. I don't like it, I don't like, I don't like getting a whipping. And some of you, you know, in your mind you're saying, you know, are you, are, are you saying what I think you're saying, Sam? I mean, are you saying that I could, through my, my dysfunction, my sin, that I could hinder God's plan for our fellowship? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying you can hinder it. And it does only take one to whatever degree one person can hinder God's overall plan for our local church, for our fellowship in ministry, to whatever degree your, your obedience is derailed, well then that impacts the overall effectiveness for the rest of us because if you're not helping to haul the load, well then that's just more work for the rest of us. That's just that much less that gets done and the kingdom agenda moves forward just that much more slowly. Yeah, you have the ability to impact all of us So look at Joshua chapter seven, and let's look at just some simple insights into taking kingdom territory. Uh, Like I said before, I think God's given us, uh, as a fellowship, a lot of victories. Uh, I just think about our testimony here at MBT, and I'm just in awe at everything that God has done. Um, You know, there's a church in Tampa now, there's a church in Lee Summit, Uh, There's a new church plant in Boston, and they're winning souls and making disciples, and and, uh, so help us God by his grace in 2021, we'll go next level on the work in Vietnam. Uh, There are seed plots in the works. There's Bible study in Denver. There's Bible study in Dallas. Uh, There are other places where the Lord is working in people's hearts to start Bible studies. I hear stories around the fellowship um, you know, FBC just planted a church in Columbus. I mean, how awesome is that? Sent a missionary to Hungary uh, out of Wildwood. There's a, there's a missionary team going to Ireland. Uh, Troy told me about guys that are going out scouting. Man, praise the Lord. Uh, just, that, that's just so exciting. There's so much that God has already done and is in the process of doing, but it only takes a few to hinder our progress moving forward. 
And so I want to look at chapter 7. I don't, we don't necessarily need to look at it in order, but I want to point out a few things that are relevant to where we're at as a fellowship today. And so Joshua chapter 7 lays out a story of defeat in what should be a place of victory. God's children have entered into what kind of land? It's a, it's a promised land. It's theirs for the taking. So there should be no defeat on the table. That shouldn't be in the agenda. And chapter seven starts with the ominous word but. Right? It tells us that in chapter seven, some things have changed. Joshua and the nation of Israel are about to descend from this proverbial mountaintop victory at Jericho to a valley of defeat to a time of big trouble at Ai, and why? Well, chapter six, look at chapter, just go back one verse. Look at how chapter six ends and how chapter seven begins. Look at verse 27, so the Lord was with Joshua. Man, it's awesome knowing that you're with God and God's with you. Look at chapter seven, verse one, but, this is one of those stinky buts in the Bible, but the children of Israel committed a trespass in the cursed thing for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of the son of the son of, look at what he did, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth Haven, on the east side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai, and they returned to Joshua and said unto him, let not all the people go up. You might underline that phrase. But not, here, here's the wisdom of the generals. Pitiful AI, we don't need to employ the whole of the people for this endeavor, let not all, not everybody has to be engaged in the mission. Let's send the, let's send the best of the best, they can handle it. Let not all, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and smite AI, and make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few. AI shmei, we can have this wrapped up. Uh, right before breakfast, we'll be back in time for some hummus and pita. So they don't consult God, there's no dependence. And kind of the mentality, the attitude is, is like, you know God, thank you for that great victory at Jericho. We were pretty awesome. I mean, it was amazing. The way we marched around that city, tooted our horn. I mean, should, this is the Lord's trumpet blasts that they were commanded to engage in, but you know, they started tooting their own horn, and, and so now there's no consulting God, there's no dependence. Thank you for a miracle at Jericho, but we think we, think we can handle AI. So verse four, so there went up thither of the people, about 3,000 men, and they fled before the men of AI, and the men of AI smote them, about 30 and six men, for they chased them from before the gate, even, under, even unto Shebarim, and smote them in the going down, wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. The whole nation didn't get their tail kicked. It was just the, it was just the shock troopers, right? It was just the specialists, the 3,000, you know? But everybody is discouraged because of this great defeat. So let's talk about the problem of presumption, okay? This is really the problem that we're dealing with. Israel is a nation, you know the story. They're confident in what they can do. So they move confidently on AI and the power of their flesh in their own mind according to their own wisdom. They never consulted God or God's word. They didn't get a word from the Lord before they move forward. They knew what they had to do. So the assumption is, is that God's blessing us no matter what. 
no matter our direction. No matter, we're God's people on God's mission, so we've got God's blessing. They knew they had that in the bag. The problem was is they had a sin problem the entire time they thought they had God's blessing. Do you see the presumption? I'm gonna take this little task and we're gonna clean it up for Jesus. It's gonna be nothing but a thing, chicken wing, and the whole time God's saying, uh-uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really needing to spank your butt. <laughs> They've got a sin problem, not God's blessing, and the results are disastrous, so get this down. Uh, if you just look at the order, the timing, what you recognize is, is you're, very subsept- you're very susceptible. You are susceptible to sin, even in the moments that God gives great victories. Sometimes you're susceptible to the greatest sins in the moments of greatest victory. You know, think about Elijah. I mean, that cat was full of faith. He was so full of faith. He called fire down from God in front of everyone. Talk about putting your rep on the line. He mocks, he mocks these priests of Baal, trash talks them, and then calls fire down from heaven. All of the people who were, who were, who were you know, they were running the fence. Uh, their, their undies were tore up from all the fence riding. And now they're shouting, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Forget Baal, it's all Jehovah all the time. I mean, you talk about a mountaintop experience. And then the very next thing you see is him depressed because the king's wife told him he was in trouble. (laughs) And he's despairing of life. I mean, how did that happen? Well, we're vulnerable. When did Satan tempt the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, in Matthew chapter four, that's when he did it. That's when he tempted Christ. It was right after Christ announced his earthly ministry through obedience to God and baptism, and, it's, and so it's right after you read Matthew 3.17. There's a voice from heaven saying, lo, right? There is a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so then, you know, when we baptize people, we remind them and we remind God's people all the time, we need to be praying for this brother, this sister, because today's a great day. It's this first step of obedience. We dunk them today, but tomorrow. I mean, today they're saying, I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. But Satan's waiting tomorrow, and he's saying, we'll see if you've really decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. So the way we'll, the way we'll describe it is Matthew chapter four always comes after Matthew chapter three. That's just how it works. Then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And I love the story in Matthew 4 because Christ models for us how to move forward in victory in the midst of temptation, in the face of presumption. The word has to be considered, right? Christ doesn't presume anything. Satan's giving him reasonable proposals. And instead of saying, you know, Satan, what you're 40 days without food, you know, I, I, I really could turn those stones into bread. What a great idea, that's really reasonable. Uh, instead of presuming, that, that, that what the enemy is offering is an option. The word has to be considered. It is written. It is written. It is written. You know, we've seen so many blessings on our fellowship. God has moved in so many ways. We're seeing more and more churches stepping out and growing in missions. They're growing in preparing their people. Everything is, everything is moving forward in faith. There's so much potential ahead of us. Now's not the time to drop our guard. Uh, Between the world, our flesh, and the 
devil god of this world, right? They're cunning foes and they're gonna strike out efficiently. They're gonna, they're gonna strike out effectively, tactically, and, and they'll do it, they'll do it, right? Your flesh, this world system, the devil, the attacks that they're gonna make are gonna be whenever we think everything's rolling well and we've got everything handled, you know, the, the ministry's hitting on all eight cylinders. Uh, at the point where we're tempted to think, man, we got this and we got it going on and everything is falling out. You do right things, you get right results. Major work, God's doing a major work in our fellowship. Well, that's how Satan's gonna attack. In the midst of the blessing, he'll, he's got his devices, he's got his traps laying out. You know, the, the Bible says we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. Can I just tell you one of the ways that sin's gonna hinder fellowship, ministry, the winning of souls? In your Bible study, a brother or sister get sideways, they get bent out of shape with each other over something that doesn't even matter. Um, they, get, they get bent out of shape with each other and they can't forbear it. You know, there's just some things that it's not even worth you bringing up. Just eat it, right? Slip it in with your peanut butter and jelly sandwich and just eat it, forbear it, put up with it. It's not, a, it's not even a big deal. Just die already, you know, no big deal. Other things, it's like it's in your craw, you can't let it go. This person's wronged you, and instead of going to talking to them, you're talking to everybody else, and pretty soon the whole Bible study's got friction, and it's divided, and, and the Holy Spirit's grieved, and, and you're doing Bible study, and, and it's just man's wisdom coming out, your insights, and the words aren't spoken, in the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God isn't on that work, and, and you wonder why you're just having Bible studies. We're not ignorant of Satan's devices. Nah, I think there's a lot of ignorance in terms of how Satan works. We need to recover ourselves. A lot of us just need to recover ourselves out of the snare of the devil and just forgive, forbear. You don't have to agree with your brother and sister all the time. And you know, trust sometimes, it really is earned, but, but you're going around grinding an ax against a brother or sister in Christ? Man, come on, die already. That, that's, that's somebody, that person that, that you could just never ever really love and give yourself to, that's somebody that Jesus bled out redeeming from their sin. I could never give myself to that person. Well, tell it to Jesus. He gave himself to him. Is this making sense? Here God lays out in Joshua chapter seven a two-pronged problem of a people with an They've got a sin problem. It's actually an unrepentant sin problem while moving forward in ministry and the power and the arm and the strength of the flesh. They're moving forward with presumption. And what was the sin that put the whole ministry in jeopardy, that, that troubled the whole nation, that put them in dire straits? Well, the source was one man. His name was Achan. And Achan, his name means trouble. Don't you just love how the Bible makes sure that you get all the picture and get all the pieces? His name, I mean, whenever Achan showed up, people would say, oh man, here comes trouble, and it was true. <laughs> like, that was his name. And in verse 25, look down at verse 25, who is he? He is the man who what? Verse 25, what did he do? Nobody turned to Joshua chapter seven when we started. 
Jeff, the PowerPoint just makes everybody lazy, doesn't it? <laughs> Nobody's turning their Bibles. Look at verse 25. What did Achan do? He troubled Israel, didn't he? Did I write down the wrong cross-reference? It's not 25. It is 25. He troubled Israel. I can look it up. Got to do all the work. Oh, yeah, there it is. Why hast thou troubled us? He's the guy who troubled Israel. I did get it in my notes right. Okay, so Achan is a picture for us of a man in his sinful flesh. He, again, pictures our sin nature, doesn't he? Proverbs 15, 6 says, In the house of the righteous is much treasure, but the revenues of the wicked is trouble. Verse 16 says, Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. These are cross-references that are going to help us see the nature of Achan's sin. Verse 27 says, he that is greedy of gain troubleth his own house, but he that hateth gifts shall live. Job describes men like Achan this way. Job chapter five, verse six. Although affliction cometh not forth of the dust, neither doth trouble spring out of the ground. Yet man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. You know, you don't even have to teach your kids to be little stinkers. It's just hardwired right into them, isn't it? It's a built-in feature that comes standard equipment. And Achan never outgrew it. And because of his disobedience, Israel was defeated at Ai, and the enemy killed 36 Jewish soldiers. It was Israel's first and only military defeat in the possessing of Canaan, a defeat that is forever associated with Achan, with trouble's name. Proverbs 25 verse 19 says, confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth. Have you ever had a broken tooth? I never have, thank God, that sounds rough. And a foot out of joint, man, I've had that. In other words, he will let you down. You can't chew on that tooth and you can't walk on that foot and you can't trust that man. That's the problem. So get this down, never underestimate the amount of damage one person out of God's will can do to the mission that God's given all of us. Is this making sense? You know, David's disobedience in taking an unauthorized census that did great damage, and it resulted in the death of you know, 70,000 people. Jonah's refusal to obey God almost sank a ship. Everybody else on that boat, they weren't running from God. They weren't rebelling against the will of the Lord. And Jonah's sin almost destroyed the innocent. It almost destroyed them. How many people aren't coming to Christ because your Bible study is dysfunctional? It's supposed to be winning souls and making disciples, and it's not happening because you got brothers and sisters that are sideways with each other. You're, you're acting like you're ignorant of Satan's devices. And then that person that your Bible study was supposed to lead to the Lord, and you're so focused on the drama that's going on in your ministry, like you're not even realizing how important First Timothy chapter two is. You know, nobody gets saved but what we're praying for them. I mean, we're told, we're commanded to make all kinds of prayers for all kinds of men, why? Because God is willing that they all be saved, which means if they're gonna get saved, we're supposed to pray for them. But we're not praying, we're our Bible study is dysfunctional and, and sister so-and-so can't get, a, you know, just can't let it go with her sister, brother so-and-so. He's just gonna keep grinding that ax and Holy Spirit's grieved. You know, it's from our unity that God commands his blessing. 
You ever read Psalm 133? You ever read Ephesians chapter one? There's a spiritual dynamic that's always in play and we act like it's all on us and, and no, it's all on God and, and while it pleases God to use weak and foolish people, I mean, no matter how small you think you are, that just qualifies you that much more for God to be glorified in your life. You know, that just ensures he gets all the glory, but, but man, that person that's despising somebody that Jesus bled out to buy back from sin and death, that person that Jesus gave himself completely to, you're gonna despise someone that Christ gave it all for? What an insult to Jesus. What a grieving of the Holy Spirit. And now how's the Holy Spirit gonna anoint you in your, in your Bible study? How's he gonna anoint you in your witness? You know, some of these things are just over my head. I know this. If God's worth being right with, his people are too. And maybe you can't get right with everyone. Just, don't, don't, just make sure it's not you. Right? You forbear. You forgive. <laughs> Who are you anyway? Oh yeah, you are another scumbag that God had to bleed out and give his life in order to save your sorry butt. You're someone that deserves to go to hell. That's who you are. So, oh my gosh, you know, we ought to be grateful, huh? We ought to be willing to say, yeah, I'm dealing with an Aiken over here, but you know, they're my, they're my Aiken, and it's Aiken to have them in my life, and, and, and Lord, maybe there's a way I can reconcile, and maybe there's a way I can fix this, but if not, uh, I'm forbearing, I'm forgiving. Maybe I'm not trusting yet, you know, trust is earned, but, but uh, the, this, this pro- so help me God by your grace, it's not gonna be on me. I want that cat to know that my heart yearns on them. Achan took of the accursed thing, but the Lord's anger was kindled at Israel. That's not fair, (laughs) is it? I mean, oh, well, you gotta understand the spiritual dynamic that's in play. One guy goes rogue, but Israel gets it in the teeth. Look down at verse 12. Joshua chapter seven, verse 12. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies but turn their backs before their enemies because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you anymore. What? The anointing, the power of God is gone. How are we gonna take the promised land that God promised without God? Without God anointing them for that. I, I'm not, neither will I be with you anymore. Except you repent except you destroy the accursed from among you. Verse five says that 36 men, 36 soldiers lost their lives. You say, well, that's that's Old Testament dispensation. I wore my dispensation shirt. It's right there on your shirt, Pastor. Who came up with this? Van? Van's a genius. Huh? Oh, they're saying it was you. He said, Van. Okay, let's find out who gets the glory. Huh? Oh, Will says he came up with it. Okay. So, you know. Pastor, you're describing law. It's right here under my bosom, law. Uh, We're right here on your gut. (laughs) Grace, okay. It's, it doesn't work like that anymore. That's not gonna happen to us. 
Okay, but here's another fact of life. Even today, others will pay publicly for your private sin. I just laid out the scenario for you. The, I, I, I do. I, the, if we're supposed to pray, because God's willing that all would be saved, and there are lost people that we don't pray for because our, our ministries are too en- enrolled in drama, and we're not fasting and praying. Have you ever noticed, MBT, that every time we do three weeks of prayer and fasting, a whole bunch of people get saved? Have you, have, have you seen that? Have you put that together? We're not in prayer and fasting so often. Um, it's probably because you know, we're cool. If people go to hell, well, they're jerks. They deserve it. I was a jerk. And I'm glad God didn't throw me away. And the idea that somebody in Kansas City goes to hell because we're dysfunctional. And they're jerks. Yeah, they deserve it. They have it coming to them, but it could have been my brother at the judgment seat of Christ. Now again, all that's over my head, and I don't, you know, that's not anything I'm gonna argue with anybody, but, but just read 1 Timothy chapter two. Uh, it makes me tremble. God made it clear that it was Israel that had sinned, not just Achan. Achan even cops to it, but it's Israel's problem. Why does God blame a whole nation for the disobedience of just one soldier? It just doesn't, from our humanistic thinking, it just doesn't seem fair. Well, you gotta see it from God's perspective because in God's mind, Israel was one people, okay? Israel was one company. Oh, I did. Oh, man. It's a good habit. Okay, Um, somebody help me make sure this makes it into the uh, pastoral procedures class. When you blow your nose, turn off the mic. Um, You know, because it's gross. Nobody wants to hear your snot. Okay, so. The Lord isn't just dealing with the family of Achan, he's dealing with the nation of Israel. They are God's special people. Jehovah God himself is in the camp. And so the camp has to be kept holy. Deuteronomy 23 verse 14 says, for the Lord thy God walketh in the midst of thy camp to deliver thee and to give up thine enemies before thee. That's how you win your battles, do you see that? Therefore shall thy camp be be holy that he see, that God see, no unclean thing in thee, and turn away from thee. God already told them that what would happen if they did this. Anyone who disobeyed God defiled the camp, and this defilement affects everyone's relationship with the Lord, everyone's ability to walk victoriously in the promises of God over his people. So here's the first key to victory at AI, okay? So let's talk tactical Christian warfare. Here's the first key to victory. Men and women were one body in Christ. Consequently, we have a job to do together. We belong to each other. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, I belong to you. Or conversely, you're mine, right? 
some of you are you're like, now's my chance. Hey, baby, you know, you belong to me. It's God's will. Just saw it from scripture. Don't fall for that, ladies. Okay. Because we belong, we, we're together, we belong to each other, we need each other, and we affect each other. Does that make sense? If we're one body, there's a spiritual principle at work that says what we do affects each other. You say, well, it's my private sin. And now you're not what the body needs you to be. Your private sin affects the body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 says, for as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so is Christ. So also is Christ. So any weakness or infection in one part of the human body, that contributes to the compromising of the whole. It contributes to the weakness, infection in other parts. So also with the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Ecclesiastes 9, 18 says, one sinner destroyeth much good. So if, I mean, I'm just, as local churches, right? If local churches are gonna achieve our fullest potential to accomplish all of God's mind, all of God's will for our church, well then we gotta all be consecrated. We gotta all be holy. The camp has to be kept holy. Do you see that principle? Ah, it's my private sin. Well, on that level, sure it is. I mean, on that level, who among us can't look at who we are in the flesh and say, oh, wretched man that I am? So just understand what I'm saying. I'm not talking about your ability to walk on water, okay? But if you've got, and you know what I'm talking about, you've got that thing in your life that you're excusing, that you're hamening, right? You've got that thing in your life that you're excusing, and I'll just continue in sin, and somehow God's grace will abound, and I know the Holy Spirit's grieved, and I'm gonna just keep making provision for that. I know Christ bled. I know Christ bled to give me victory, to separate me from the wickedness, the damage, the danger that I exist in in terms of the sins of my, I, I get all that, but I'm gonna hold on to this pet sin, this, this besetting sin, I'm gonna nurture, I'm gonna cultivate it, uh, because uh, like Brian said last night, it's so tasty, you know, that's a, that's a good way to put it. The whole church is to be holy, consecrated to the Lord, and what caused Achan's fail, what, 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 what he did privately, what led him to cause Israel's defeat, okay? What is the danger that we have to guard against here? Well, the Lord lays out six charges against the nation of Israel in verses 10 through 12. Look at, look at this, six charges. Here's what went wrong. Here's how it went down. The Lord said unto Joshua, get thee up. Wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? <laughs> Stop crying, get right. Israel hath sinned, charge number one. Number two, they have also transgressed my covenant which I commanded them, here's charge number three, for they have taken, they've even taken of the accursed thing, charge number four, and have also stolen, charge number five, and dissembled also, in other words, they lied about it, and then charge number six, and they have put it even among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you anymore, except you destroy the accursed from among you, keeping my promise from Deuteronomy 23, 14. Israel sinned because Achan stole. 
So now Israel has stolen from God and then presumed upon him, right, that their will was his will and they could just do what they wanted and they'd have spiritual victory or win the physical battle. So anytime you take what belongs to God alone, you're stealing. What you didn't know, that your body was the temple of the living God. You are not your own, you are bought with a price. My body, my rights, I get to do with my body what I want to do with my body. I get to roll how I want, what happens in my private life. Mm -mm. How's that applied to us today? You say, I, I, I would never rob God. I would never steal from the Lord, never. Okay, well, so here's another tactical principle for, for missions, Malachi chapter three. Verse eight says, will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee in tithes and offerings? You're cursed with a curse, for you've robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into, this, into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all the nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. So that brings us to the second key to victory at AI, second tactical approach to spiritual Christian warfare, and this one's easy, don't rob God. Just don't do that, don't rob God. Don't take what doesn't belong to you. It's a holy camp. You don't get to do what you want. So do you, let's just get real practical, do you bring your first fruits to the Lord? Are you obedient at the level of the tithe? Well, the tithe was under the law. Yeah, it was before the law. It was under the law. And you don't have one verse in the New Testament that overturns it. Can you at least do that? Can you at least give the first fruits? Let me, let me ask it this way. Is God actually first in your life? You know, if you, got, if, you're, if, if you found some gal that whenever you looked at her stupid, she grinned at you, uh, that, that hit your pocketbook. And you spent big. I remember uh, when I was chasing Cheryl, uh, she'd mentioned something about, you know, you're, I'm a terrible gift giver now. I can't wait for Cheryl's birthday to see what I got her, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> but in those early days, okay? In those early days, um, man, you're like, how do I reel this chick in? And, and she mentioned something about music or whatever, and I went out, because I was working. I went out and I bought her the biggest, baddest 1980s boombox I could find. You had to be there. Maybe you've seen it in some of the movies, but you know, it'd be these big, giant, I mean, they're just sexy as all get out. These giant monstrosities that you have to carry on your shoulder and they'll just make you deaf. It's got like 800 D-sized batteries in them, you know, that kind of thing. And, just, and, the, and this one had the little pop-out um, uh, cassette, three cassette decks, remember that? And the cassette deck popped out, and, and it's her birthday, and she's 17, and, and uh, I'm 18, and, and uh, they're opening the presents, and then I give her mine, and I mean, Shekinah glory was coming off that thing. It was like, angels were singing and, and uh, Cheryl's like oh wow this is great thank you so much and mom and dad are like uh, time out we need to have a family conversation 
they kind of all disappear for a while and before I go, I get information that she can't receive this gift because it might put undue pressure on her to continue in a relationship with me. Oh, you don't understand, I just want her to have it. It's okay, it's a trifling thing. She kept the boom box. <laughs> what was I talking about? <laughs> I got on to Reel and Cheryl in and now I lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's smiling at you. That hits your pocketbook. Uh, the, the, that you get that check and it's like, where am I taking my baby tonight? Uh, you get paid and what can I do to make sure she knows how I think about her, what I feel? Uh, I want her to see I'm gonna be a good provider. I mean, I want her to get a good vision, a good picture of who I'm supposed to be in her life. I want her to know, and she'll know my love by where I take her out to eat. No McDonald's for us. Uh, only, you know, whatever Eureka Springs could offer at the time. I, we're gonna do it right, you know? Is God first in your life? Does he get the first fruits? Do you let God bless the rest of your life as you bring the first fruits, the first and the best to a storehouse? Or do you rob God? Let me put a handle on this for you. If you're not giving regularly to the ministry that God has you be a part of, you're a thief. If you're not a part of giving to missions to see ministry multiply, well, you're AWOL. And I know every time you turn around, it seems like some pastor's talking to you about money. Do these preachers ever quit? Do these guys know how hard we work for our money? Well, if it's your money and you're not a steward, well, then you keep it. But you know something? I have found a purpose for my meaningless existence. I found God, and he wants it all. And I don't get to own anything I have in my life, but I get to manage it all for his glory. I went from wasting my life on living it for myself, and I get to be a part of something that God's doing around the world. I'm not giving to my, well, I'm the senior pastor here, but I, you know, I'm not giving to, you're not giving to your pastor, you're giving to God. You're not giving so that, you know, your pastor can go on vacation. You're giving to the work of the Lord. Whenever I see Brian Clark in England, and I see Mike Renault in Boston, and I see Andrew Wong in Vietnam, guess what, that's exciting to me. I get to be a part of seeing ministry multiply around the world. I get to be a part, I wanna be a part of that. Why wouldn't I wanna be a part of that? But we live in a day and age where people don't get where the value is at, and that's why you heard yesterday. I mean, part of, part of enduring hardness in the work is things like, and Brian is just going through the list. I mean, how is it that he loses one-third of his support? Over tw 20 years of ministry on the field, he should be saying things like, and then our, su our support grew by a third. No, it's because there's thieves in the camp, that's why. And then we wonder why we just end up, seems like we, we do a lot of holding services and playing church and where's the power of God in our life and in our ministry? How come we read about one thing in Acts and then we just, you know, we, we have what we have today? Those guys that quit giving, Brian loses a third of his support over 20 years, uh, they're lost my gain. We get, to, we get to buy in and be a part of something that God is doing. That makes me excited, why? Because I'm giving to God 
And I, 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 I'm giving in how he's working. We're taking Canaan, man. He gets it all. We're seeing the promises. We're seeing the prophecies of God being made reality in our life. We get to be a part of that. God gets it all. So how can I be offended about something that I want to, of course I'll give. You know, some of you, you're robbing God of the first fruits of your time, your talent, your token, that's the T word for money. And just like Achan, you know better. Achan heard Joshua's orders in chapter six. I mean, Joshua said, don't do it. In chapter six, verse 17, and the city shall be accursed, even it and all that are therein to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, and she and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And ye, in any wise, keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourselves accursed. When ye take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it, but all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord, he gets the first fruits. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So he saw the battle go down. He saw his brothers doing what was right. They were putting it in the treasury. They burnt the city with fire, verse 24, and all that was therein, only the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass and iron, they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. Proverbs 3, 9 says, we're to honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So since Jericho was Israel's first victory in Canaan, that was the first fruits that went to the Lord. The spoils belonged to God. But Achan, 40 years, man, wilderness living. It's time I got paid. So he obeys, and as a result, the whole nation pays the price. Your disobedience before the Lord hurts all of us in the body of Christ. So how did Achan stumble and fall? How can we be in guard and not be guilty to do the same? We'll look at verse 20. Chapter seven, verse 20, and Achan answered Joshua and said, indeed I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel and thus and thus have I done, he told the whole story. When I saw, watch this now, verse 21, when I saw among the spoils, now wait a minute, those weren't spoils. They were the Lord's treasury. So you just misdefined what that was. He reclassified God's treasure in order to justify his theft. So I saw the spoils, a goodly Babylonian garment, and 200 shekel weights, you know, this, I, I saw the spoils. And that's why you talk about your money all the time, like it's somehow it's really yours. I mean, if you're bought with a price, and God calls you a steward, what do you really own in this world? Nothing, buckus, nada, zero. You're to manage it all for his glory. And yeah, you need to buy a house, and you need to take good care of your family, you need to take them on vacation, you need to be ready for the time when you're 80 so that somebody can wipe your crinkly old raisin behind. I mean, you, you, yeah, you gotta take care of business as a steward. I coveted them and took them. Behold, they're hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. I saw. You know, you can't do anything about seeing, can you? <laughs> that first invitation to tempt, nobody can do anything about that. But it's when you look again, right? It's when David, like, who is that over on the rooftop? Somebody bring me the binoculars. I gotta check out what I'm saying. I coveted and I took. Eve did the same thing in Genesis chapter three when she listened to the devil. She saw, she coveted, she took. And you're gonna tell me that her private sin didn't affect anybody? That it didn't affect all of the rest of us? <laughs> no, it's her private sin. But it's, infected, it's affected your life. 
Didn't that derail God's plan for the planet? The whole world's paying the price for that. When James chapter one, verse 14 says, every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. How many people, their sin, right, derails their walk and they think, well, this is just me. It's just me, it's just affecting me. But then others, they see them go off into the world and, and that ends up depressing and discouraging them. And they're lost, they follow in discontentment before the Lord, they follow suit. Achan saw something to be desired and instead of changing his thoughts, to whatsoever things are true, like he's commanded to in scripture, instead of defining it biblically, his lust conceived sin, he took the accursed thing, and that sin brought defeat to Israel and death to himself and his wife and his children. In verses 16 through 26, God makes his private sin public, and his mistake was to think that he could get away with his sin by hiding it, covering it up, covering the loot, and the floor under his tent. You know, Adam and Eve tried to cover their sin. They tried to run away and hide. They tried to cover it up with fig leaves under a little, under little tiny tents. <laughs> but the Lord found them. He revealed them in Genesis 3, 7. Be sure your sin find you out. I mean, that's the love of God. He doesn't let us get away rolling like Haman, does he? You can't hide your sin from God. If you're his child, don't kid yourself in thinking he's not acting to get it dealt with. God's always gonna keep directing his people to stay on course, and if necessary, he'll take you out of the way to keep the rest of the people on target, and that's what happened in this case. Joshua started seeking counsel on what was actually going on, something that if he'd had done it earlier, at the beginning of the chapter, he would have had his, he'd have had his 36 soldiers back, That was Israel's second error. They were moving forward on God's agenda in the power of their flesh and in their own human wisdom. You know, they looked at Joshua, massive walls. It's a daunting task, and so it's easy to see why they would presume AI was no big deal. They thought they were sufficient to the need. Again, don't send everyone. Let's just take three grand. Let's take 3,000, and and, and, and we'll just 3,000. We can take, man, they kicked their tail. AI destroyed them in that battle. Look at God's plan. Turn over to chapter eight. All of Israel was in a defiled state because of one man's sin. God wants all of Israel in submission to his word. The Lord said unto Joshua, fear not, neither be thou dismayed. Take all the people of war with thee. Arise, go up to Ai. See, I've given it, I've given into thy hand the king of Ai and his people in his city and this land. And that leads us to the third key of victory at AI, we have to move forward by the word of the Lord, right? We, it, we have to, we, we have to recognize, all of us have to move forward in faith. We can't rob from God, and we gotta do it God's way. We gotta together move forward in the power and the commands and the word of God, not in our own, you know, there's a way that seems right unto a man. The problem is the end of that way leads to death, right? That way is the way to death. So we have to take even the little challenges like AI and we gotta lift them up to the Lord in prayer. Just like the big problems of Jericho. Uh, Somebody gets cancer, oh, C word, everybody prays. Man, what about the decision, how you're gonna spend your time investing it with people in the lives of people? 
Lord, where are the open doors in my life? Who do I invite to dinner? God, I, I, I need an open door and I need the anointing on my life to, to preach your word and the power of your Holy Spirit. Be careful for nothing, Philippians 4, 6, but in everything, not just some things, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. First John 3, verse 22, whatsoever we ask, we receive of him. Why? Because we're doing it according to his word. We're asking according to his will, because we keep his commandments. You know, for some of us, we need to get on our knees in repentance, get the sin, right, confessed, dealt with in our lives, so that God can move on our behalf. Look at Joshua's prayer. Go back to seven, verse six. Joshua rent his clothes, fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until eventide. He and the elders of Israel put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou brought, or wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Man, every leader has been there at some point. <laughs> you know, that's what the, the people were telling Moses. Why didn't you just leave us in Egypt? At least we had onions. <laughs> and now you brought us out here in the wilderness to die. And now Joshua is echoing this. Why did we get a great victory at Jericho just to have our clock cleaned by a handful of people. What in the world is going on? Why did you bring us over Jordan? I remember in the early years of this church plant and uh, it was after a rough board meeting. We're trying to figure out how to do church business and, and uh, our board of directors was kind of in a, in a, in a disagreement over an air conditioner. And, uh, and I'm just, I'm, I'm inept, I don't know how to, deal with these things and I'm thinking we just need to decide if we want air conditioning and will we spend money on that and then we can have the fight about the air conditioning later you know I don't I just we just need air conditioning and and, uh, and so you got board members that were basically saying I can't I can't approve this unless I know how many cubic feet of air this air conditioner is going to move you know and so we were getting down into the weeds and you know and that was actually so anyway it, and it's all good guys right I mean like these are great guys who are greatly sacrificing to see the ministry move forward the problem is they've got a moron for a pastor and and uh, and I'm just I went home discouraged and uh, I remember going to a prayer meeting the next morning and. Um, and I'm kind of, I'm just weeping before the Lord. And it's like, you know, if we can't, if we can't figure out how to get an air conditioner <laughs> in the basement, how are we gonna rock the nations for your glory, Lord? I, <laughs> I mean, if we can't do that. And I remember telling the Lord, I'm, I'm literally, quote, Lord, did you bring me to Midtown just to watch me fail? Like, why, why even have me cross over Jordan? Did you lead me to Midtown just to have me fail? Get to the prayer meeting, long story short, um, one of the guys in the prayer meeting said, I, I really feel like I'll be grieving the Holy Spirit if I don't tell, if I don't tell somebody this. Um, you're leading people in ministry and, you know, David had a time where uh, his mighty men were talking about doing amen and you might be tempted to say to the Lord. And then he quotes me in my prayer <laughs> before the Lord a few minutes before, Lord, did you bring me to this place just to watch me fail? I'm like, 
these cats have bugged my car and my house. They're spying on me. Like, what in the world is going on? Did you, did you bring me to this point just to watch me fail? He says, can I just tell you how God views all of this? And he takes, he takes us to Isaiah, and there the Lord says, you know, Israel's saying God's forgotten me, and, and God's response is, can a nursing mom forget her child? Can she do that? And how many moms have nursed? You know, under pressure. Okay, so you're not gonna forget that baby. And when that baby cries, I mean, the milk starts flowing. It's just, you cannot forget that nursing child. Okay, can't be done. And God says, she will before I'll forget you. She, she, that nursing mom will forget that baby before I'll forget you. And then, I've got your name in my hands. Graven your name in my hands. He is the God who will never leave us or forsake us, but you know we can grieve his spirit, can't we? Joshua, he's rending his clothes and he's before the Lord. And God cleans his clock. Oh Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? Now watch, here's the key. For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ us around and cut off our name from the earth. What wilt thou do unto thy great name? And that's the key to getting right back on track, okay? That's the answer to everything, right, right there. It's all about God and about his glory. We have to be zealous for our Lord's sake. He's worth being right with. Israel's defeat, Joshua got it. It's robbing God of all the, all, the glo- he, all the glory has to go to him. And so this is unacceptable. This is robbing God's glory. When we move in the power of the flesh, we're gonna be defeated. How does God get glory out of that when you don't allow him to use you because of unrepentant sin? Look at God's reply to Joshua. I mean, I love this, verse 10. Stop blubbering. The Lord said unto Joshua, get thee up. Wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? Stop whining, just get right. Start moving forward in faith. Don't waste your time agonizing over your sin. The minute you identified the sin, hello somebody, (laughs) repent of it, confess it, agree with God over it. That should not be in my life. That should not be able to get away with what it's doing in my heart, in my life. Don't waste your time praying over sin. Some people pray over sin. I've had seasons in my life where I've prayed for months over sin instead of just repenting of it. Oh God, would you just take, I love it, I'm gonna nurture it, I'm gonna hold on to it. <laughs> it's my little sin baby. Oh God, would you, take the, would you take this from me? Take this from me and I'm just hanging on to it. All. Come on. And I'm agonizing before the Lord. No, repent, get right. Obey God. So God tells Joshua that he's gonna bring the sin to light so that Israel has the opportunity to get things right with God. And he's very methodical in his approach. He singles out the tribe of Judah, then the family, and then the culprit. And then Achan is revealed. Now Israel can get their life right with God. And just like Haman had to be bagged and hauled away to the, to the gallows, Look at the repentance, this repentance with a vengeance. 
And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan the son of Zerah, and the silver and the garment and the wedge of gold and his sons and his daughters and the oxen and his asses and his sheep and the tent, all that he had, and they brought him unto the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones and burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones and they raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger, wherefore the name of that place was called the Valley of Achor, the Valley of Trouble unto this day. And Levitical law, Deuteronomy 24, would have prohibited them from stoning Achan's family. So we know by comparing scripture with scripture that the wife and the kids were in on it. Otherwise, Israel would not have had permission to take the whole family out. Achan, in his sin, he led his family astray. They bought in, and it hurt all of Israel. So one family turns from the true and living God, and God says the tribe, the whole, is accursed. So take out the silver, the gold, the garment. None of it's worth it. God had promised them a land overflowing with milk and honey, and you're gonna sell all that out for a few trinkets? And the sad thing is, is it was God's desire to give them the wealth as well. He didn't want to rip anybody off. Look at at verse one, chapter eight. Thou shalt, uh, let's look at chapter eight, verse two. Thou shalt do to Ai and her king as thou didst to Jericho and her king, only the spoil thereof. Now God calls it spoil. It's not the treasury of the Lord anymore. The spoil thereof and the cattle thereof shall ye take for a prey unto yourselves. You were gonna get paid the whole time. If he'd adjust, if Achan had just trusted in the Lord and sought his will for his life, he would have had the wealth as well. Matthew 6, 33 says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then what you need, you'll get, you'll get paid. Instead, he partook of the accursed thing and Israel paid with death. You know, and the reason why it was that dramatic is it's a regime change, it's a, it's a, a new thing is happening and, and God wants us to take it's serious, okay? It's like Ananias and Sapphira lying to the Holy Spirit. Uh, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. You've lied to God more times. I mean, man, come on. He didn't strike you dead, okay? So this is one of those times where God says, pay attention, this is important. And the place now, this valley is named Trouble. The Valley of Achor. But you know, you see in Isaiah 65, it's called a place of peace. In Hosea 2:15. It says that the valley of trouble, the valley of Achor, will become a door for Israel. It calls it a door of hope. All of that happens when Israel comes as Messiah and rules in his messianic kingdom. And that's incredible to me, that God can take the wrath of man and turn it into a place of peace. He can take the wrath of man and and it becomes, the valley of Achor becomes a door of hope. He can turn it to his glory and make it a place of hope and joy. That heap of stones reminds God's people that God's worth being right with to obey his word. And if they don't, he, he, has, to, he, has, to, he has to clean them up. Here's the awesome thing about God. Even when you get right with God, okay, Acor can become hope. Uh, when you get right with God, no defeat is forever. Man, I really messed up my life. Well, just stop sowing to the flesh and reaping corruption. Start sowing to the spirit and start reaping life. No defeat is forever. No failure is permanent, right? That's how God works. No failure is final. Even the valley of trouble becomes a place of transition to hope. You know, yeah, maybe you made a mess of your life. Well, that's okay, get right with God. Stop 
stop making excuses and redefining what's biblically true in your life. Start defining what's going on in your life biblically and then just submit. Stop sowing to the flesh, start sowing to the spirit. You'll quit reaping corruption and you'll start reaping life. That's just how it works. Maybe you've run into an AI disaster. Well, God's got an easy two-step plan for you. First, repent. Agree with God over the sin. Uh, It's messing up my life and I don't like the idea that it's hindering the ministry of my Bible study, my church, our fellowship. I'm out, I'm, I'm done with that, I'm done with that sin. Allow him, ask God to show you, just like the, the mess had to be found and uncovered, right? Tell the Lord, man, be sure my son find me out. I wanna deal with it, I wanna deal with it now. I don't want you to have to deal with it later, God. Would you search my heart, show me, the, show me if there's any wicked way in me. So start there, and then secondly, with the same determination as the nation of Israel, when they stone Achan, his family, all is good, you put to death the deeds of the flesh. Read Second, Thess- read Second Corinthians chapter seven. Okay, Re- that's your homework. Read Second Corinthians chapter seven. Repent with a vengeance. That doesn't mean you go punch a brother or sister in the eye and say, you know, I kill you. Nuh-uh. We're right here. Okay, keep your dispensation straight. I'm talking about what's going on in your own heart. Repent with a vengeance. Agree with God. What's wrong is wrong. Why? Because we gotta take the promised land. (laughs) There is a world that will not win itself to Christ and if we aren't the people that God will use to turn this this planet upside down for his glory, then what? The Calvinists gonna do it? Are the Charismatics gonna do it? Are the Catholics gonna do it? What are you gonna do? (laughs) Agree with God what's wrong is wrong. God wants to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or even think where our fellowship is concerned. I know that, I believe that, but it's gonna take each one moving forward in faith. And if you're excusing sin in your life, stop ripping me off. Stop hindering what God wants to do in my life. Does this make sense? I'd like us to bow our heads. I'd like us to humble ourselves before the Lord uh, before our break and uh, We'll just end this session before we go to our break and then our breakouts. Is there anyone, and please, nobody looking around, there's no altar call, I just wanna pray for some people. Is there anyone that would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I've been redefining things. Instead of defining them biblically, what I've really been doing is excusing away, you know, in my mind, it's been secret sin, and I know God sees it, and I know it's grieving the Holy Spirit, and I need to just get that right. I need to confess it. I need to agree with God over it. I need to, you know, if it's a besetting sin, I need to stop wasting my time trying not to do it, and I just I gotta get serious about following the Lord. I gotta quit playing like a little kid. I just gotta start moving forward in faith. I need to be done with the excuses. I need to repent with a vengeance. Pastor, would you pray for me? Is there anybody like that in this room right now, in this moment? Pastor, pray for me. Lord, there are so many of us. And 
And none of us, Lord, there's not one of us that was in our heart when we started our day that we're gonna take of the accursed thing and grieve your spirit and hinder what you wanna do through us as local churches. None of us started out that way and yet, Lord, what we see in our life, we've excused and we've, we've listened to reason <laughs> instead of scripture. We've gone away that seems right to us and it's just killing. Uh, there's the, the, where's the spiritual fruit? Where's the life? We don't understand the spiritual principles that we're violating. We grieve your heart and, and God, again, I'm just at this place where I'm stuck. I don't have the vocabulary. I don't have the ability to communicate it for all that it is. I know this, you're worth being right with and we're like little children and, and we know what's right and, 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 and two or three moments happen and we've already forgotten and we're so easily led astray. And we're so easily self-justified. We're so easily uh, able to be convinced in our own heart to redefine what's going on in our life and we listen to reason and we ignore Bible and, uh, and then we just keep short-circuiting what what you want to do in and through us in our life and, and in and through us as a people, and, and it's wrong. And so, God, I, I just pray for your grace. God, like we said before, search us, try us. What are the wicked things that grieve your spirit? And, and Lord, we may, not, we may not know tactically how, you know, particularly in the areas of besetting sins, how to not do that anymore, but, Lord, we can very clearly see how to follow you. And so, Lord, I would just pray for some grace for some, for, you know, especially for my brothers to just agree with God over sin and to quit letting who they are in the flesh get in the way of who they are in Christ. And I'm praying for some wisdom, for some kingdom wisdom, especially for some brothers that, that they would decide today that they're gonna follow hard after you and instead of wasting their life on what they're not, making vows and promises about what they're not going to do, that they get busy over what they're supposed to do. And to follow you, to love you with all their heart, their mind, their soul, their strength, Lord. Capture their hearts afresh. Lord, I beg you for my sons, I beg you for sons in the faith. that they wouldn't waste their life. They wouldn't waste their life on excuses for why they're not fruitful. Please, open their understanding, their minds to see that God with you all things are possible. Please help us to define what's going on in our life biblically and then agree with you and then begin moving forward in faith. Somebody in this conference said, again, it's, just, it's so true. You can't steer a car that's not moving. But they just begin stepping out in faith, begin walking with you according to your word, not our own wisdom. And so Lord, I ask for that grace in Jesus' name and I ask it for your glory. 
You're worth all the glory. So God, take our lives and use them. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.